So you got, you, got to, you got to sleep in a little bit for some of you, or some of you just got up, and that's just your Sunday morning. Uh, one thing I want to say is thank you for investing in your spirit, uh, in your soul, in what's happening on the inside. And it's, it's pretty interesting because even as children, you know, I, I grew up not going to church. I went like Sunday school, and then we kind of tapered off. But I, I even appreciate those times, learning about uh, Jesus and coloring. I think I was like five or six years old. But when God speaks and that is planted in you, like it goes a long way. So don't ever underestimate his presence in your life, even though you may not feel it or feel connected to God. He's always doing something in you. Pastor Ben is here with us. Thank you, Pastor Ben and the yeah. team for leading us in worship. So grateful for you. Uh, and it is summertime. It is summertime. And some of you, this may be your first time here. And so we want to say welcome. We want to just let you know what we have available for you here at New Hope. We have our fellowship hall where you can uh, purchase breakfast. We have our well that has snacks. We also have our resource center that has Bibles and books and journals to help you in your walk with Jesus. And also in our fellowship hall, we have the restrooms. Mm -hmm. If you have children, we have our children's and youth wings located on this side. And we have our nursery for our babies to two years old. Right here off the sanctuary. How old is Luke and Leon right now? Luke is gonna Luke and Leon is gonna be three next okay. month. Yeah. And so. On, so only three are in school. Yeah, only right? three are in school. Yeah. Oh. He has five children. Just I have five kids. You didn't know. So. <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, awesome. but we're but we're excited. It is summer, and so we're getting we're excited because next month we have a lot of things happening, such as our water baptism mm. happening on Sunday, July twenty fourth, down at Coconut Island at twelve thirty p.m. That's our first one that we're gonna have ever since you know. What do we call it? COVID. That's what it's related as? You know, like 9-11, Pearl COVID. Harbor, COVID. That's yeah. the reference point. But that's what it is, right? We never had water baptism since then. Yeah. So some of you have received Jesus, and your next step is water baptism. Water baptism is your public confession. You're letting everybody know that you believe in Jesus. But more than that, something supernatural takes place that when you go under the water, it represents you dying of your old ways and then coming up brand new. It's the death and resurrection that Jesus had done. And he gives us that same resurrection power. It's the dying to our old self, coming up brand new, and you're letting everybody know. Will you be perfect after that? Absolutely not. You're still going to, we're going to meander because we're human beings, but at least you're reminded that, wait a minute, I was baptized. You gave me this power to overcome the other things that I used to do. Now I'm this new person. And so we come and gradu uh, uh, congratulate one another. Even if you're water baptized, you can come down and cheer on those who are making that public decision. It'll be potluck. Yep. So potluck. they can bring something to yeah. drink, right? Uh, and eat. Yeah. Yeah, you can share food, yeah. right? I mean, it's up to you. I mean, if you want to, you know. Yeah. 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 You if you want, food. you can bring your own thing and then, you know, just, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it'll be, a, it'll be a great. I'm just trying to think of where, I mean, I guess we're okay. Well, sharing, not like you're eating from somebody's plate, but you're just... With potluck, you're sharing food. Although some of you might do that, but it's okay. It's fine. Yeah. I had, I had, I had, I had some people do that. I was sorry. Quick story. We were at Cafe Pesto, and I asked my friend, "Hey, do you want to try some?" He's like, "Yeah, sure." Takes his fork that he was eating from, puts it in my pasta, and he's like, "Hmm, raw. This is good." My friend, who knows that I don't share food like that, is cracking up laughing because yeah, his fork was in my plate. Still traumatized by that. Every time I eat next to him, I guard my food. Uh, anyway, short story. 
So yeah, and the best part about it, like Pastor Sheldon said, is we get to, we get to come down and just cheer on those making this awesome decision. And I think that's like the best part mm-hmm. is that we get to see what God is doing in the lives of his people. And then also coming up in July, we have our worship night coming up Wednesday, July 27th. That one is important too because, you know, like we're saying, summertime, there's a shift in our schedules, our season. Children are going back to school. I believe it starts in August. Yep. That's why I definitely going to need prayer that night. Yeah. Just saying. Some parents look forward to their children no, going No, I back look to forward school. to my kids going to school. I just don't look forward to the homework coming back home. Oh, got it. I like, see. What, I is see. This, what is this math? Yeah. <laughs> Well, I'm, they're learning different ways, and that's that's. I say that now because my children are grown up, yeah. so I don't I don't deal with those things. Yeah. But I deal with that with my grandchildren. Worship night will help us <laughs> stay focused yeah. on God, and that night, as family, what it does too is it it really solidifies us as family, not just as a church family, but you and your family or you and your spouse. And something once again supernatural takes place when we worship God. And what we're saying to him, and we're putting him in the in first place. We're saying, "You are above everything else," and we lay aside everything to let God know that you're worthy. So it begins at six thirty. We do have dinner from five fifteen to six fifteen for purchase, and then we gather together and worship. You can still join us online, but it's just different being here in person. Yeah. So different, yeah. atmosphere so, different. Yeah, amazing. It's almost like listening to music on like like with your AirPods or headphones on your phone. And then going to the concert. Exactly. There's a difference, yeah. right? Still good. I mean, yeah, it's good, but not just. I mean, God is there with them. It's a different level. This is yeah. different. And we'll have prayer that night too. So for people like Pastor Ben who needs prayer for their going to children going to school, whatever we need prayer for, it could just be yeah. you know pray for my loved ones, pray for someone who's in the hospital. You might need prayer. That night is going to be a powerful night that we get to be in the presence of God and learn from Him. But most of all, just worship and adore him it might be a little uh not uncomfortable for you but when i was learning about what it meant to worship god i had to find ways to step into his presence because i was i I was watching other people and i'm like i don't want to be like that person oh that guy's weird oh that lady is fanatical like that's what would be my mind i ain't gonna be like that and so i'm sure you had those thoughts too growing up and but so, but you worship God in how he designed you to worship. If you raise your hands, you raise your hands. If you put your hands in your pocket, you put your hands in your pocket. God is after your heart. That's what he's after. So we get to worship him together, July 27. July 27. And what's really awesome too is coming up in August, we, our New Hope Kapuna ministry has an awesome event coming up called Senior Prom. This is so amazing. I love it. This, and it's called... Um, there's a title that uh, they I have. think it's You Look Wonderful Tonight. You Look tonight. Wonderful Tonight. Yeah, like, love that song. They, I mean, this is this is a senior prom. Yeah, for Kupuna, I think. And they have a court, buffet, dinner. They're going, these are seniors. They know how to do these things well. Yeah. You, yeah. I mean, there's, I, I know it's going to be a good, I might sneak in and dress up a I little mean, bit. I mean, you're almost there. <laughs> you're almost there. I ain't, what, you're just going to try run like I cannot catch you. What you're just going to do, dig hey, out. Hey. <laughs> I, I know. I was just was like, I just, you know. This guy can actually run fast. I, I, just, I just joke because. We play basketball. I'm like, yeah. brother can sprint. No, I cannot. Line man, line man. lying on, on stage. Anyway, but yeah, we have our Kupuna ministry. <laughs> you look Kupuna. I do look <laughs> Kupuna. I got to rub it in because how old are you, Pastor Sheldon? Something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, turn oh, something. Close to Kupuna. He's teasing then, uh, me. Like, I'm in my 50s okay, real quick now. story at Cafe Pesto, your birthday. Which How did a lady go, is he really that 
age. Oh, yeah. And I looked at her and, yes, he's really that age. I just look that age because I have five kids. One yeah. decade per child. Yeah, one decade per child. Yeah. So, but yeah, I love it. Our Kupuna ministry, you're going to have fun. So, uh, if you want more information, stop by our information center. I believe they have tickets available already for sale. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> you can leave. Okay. Have a great day, everybody. Actually, you can go on the piano, play nice music. We're going to pray over our tithes and offerings, and uh, we get to do this together. Here's what I love about uh, what we not just been through in the past years and, and even decades being up on this campus, but there was a time when I was walking and we're praying over the campus and for you and, and what God is doing, and I was struck by amazement that we have this facility, that we have 20 acres here in Waiakeuka to be a blessing to the community. We have the baseball field where we have, you know, uh, our, our practices there. We've even opened it up to the community. But, and we have weddings and other things up here, funerals. But I was amazed at how God includes us. Like from the, from the years that we've been here and gave to, so that God could do all of this in our midst so that we could worship him together in one location that through COVID we had online streaming and we could still preach the gospel around the world and, and even in your very own homes or wherever you were that we don't know exactly what God is going to do but we know he's going to do something good with it that we trust him with our finances and we say to him I'm going to give back to you and some of us are learning in this area so if, and if that's you don't worry about it uh, if, if you don't understand what tithing is, learn it first because God is always looking at our heart. And if you're new and you're like, I have absolutely no idea what you just said, it's okay. Don't, don't feel obligated to give. Know that God wants your heart more than your finances. He's good at touching hearts. So as we pray together, let's watch God do what he does best. Lord God, thank you for giving us this opportunity that we get to give to you, that we get to be a part of what you're doing. And who knows, Lord, that decades from now, we're going to see men and women come to know you as Lord and Savior. Even our young ones who are here today, that maybe they don't know you yet, but one day they will. This is why we give to you. We know that you're going to do something great with it because you are a great God and we trust in you. So we thank you. We pray this in Jesus' precious name. And we all said together, amen. Well, you can take out your Bibles. We'll be in uh, Psalm, the book of Psalms. But we'll be kind of all over the place. Uh, the notes will pop up here on the screen or if you use the Bible app. And today we're going to be talking about the desires of your heart. Which is pretty interesting because every single one of us has some kind of desire in our heart. The problem is when our desires don't line up with God's desires, right? He has a different way of thinking. We have a different way of thinking. And when we come to him and get to know him, now we're learning about our desires and his desires. And sometimes it, it just doesn't match up. We're not on the same page. And then we begin to learn about who God is. And then we learn new things. And then when those new things come up, we're like, oh, that's why these things are like that. I, I didn't know that. Or God says something in his word and, and now we're learning about our relationship with him and our relationship with one another. And as we build this relationship with him, we begin to learn that we still have desires that are not consistent with God's desires. And it's just, it's, it's opposite. So we want to learn how do our desires become like his desires? Because we all have desires. 
And sometimes it conflicts, it, it conflicts with what God is doing in our lives. So how do, we, how do we live a life of purpose, one that is moving in the same direction that God has for us? There's a movie called The Pirates of the Caribbean with Captain Jack Sparrow. Right? Some of us have seen the, most, the, the recent ones, but there's one, I think it's called Dead Men's Chest. And in that movie, they're looking for the chest uh, of Davy Jones' still-beaten heart. Still in the thing. And the reason why they want to find that is so that whoever controls his heart controls him. So they're trying to find where this thing is. Elizabeth, one of the characters, she says to Captain Jack Sparrow, well, how do we find it? And Captain Jack Sparrow, he says, with this, my compass is unique. It, this compass does not point north. And so she's like, well, then where does it point? And then he says this, it points to the thing you want the most. That's the best I can do with Captain Jack Sparrow. I need the wig. <laughs> it's the th it points to the thing you want the most. What do you want the most? What do you want the most? Some of you, you're like, peace and quiet. You just want peace and quiet. What do you want the most? What do you want the most? I just, I want to retire. What do you want the most? I just want to do well in school. What do you want the most? I want to, I want people to leave me alone. What do you want the most? I want good friends. What do you want the most? What, what is in your heart? What is that desire that you have in your heart? Because we're all going to have these desires. What's interesting about that too is we're going to have a split and it's, it's almost like this. If this is God, and God is like true north, okay? He's truth. He knows the direction that we should go. And if this is God, and he's heading in a direction, and he says, this is who I am, and I, and I have a life for you. I have a purpose for you. And we say, okay, God, I'm going to serve you because I know you know what's best for me. So I'm going to follow your direction. I've even had people tell me, and if God does this in my life, I'm going to follow him. I'm going to serve him. I'm going to, I'm going to read the Bible every single day. I'm going to serve him. And, so, and, and then when things don't work out how we planned it to work out, we say things like, oh, I guess God is not real. And then we just kind of veer off. Or we say things like, well, I, I might as well just do something else because I tried God. And so we, we keep veering off. And then after a while, we're so distant from God, we start to do the things we normally wouldn't have done if we followed him. I've even had people tell me, oh, God is calling me to be a pastor. And then if it doesn't work out their way, they're like, well, I guess not. And then they start doing things they normally would not do if they were following God. Next thing you know, relationships go bad, addictions are in there, and now they're so distant from God, and we become people who we say one thing, but our hearts are desiring something else. And so now we're so far from God, now the question becomes, how do I, how do I turn this thing around? I feel so distant from God. And God never changes. Guess who changes? Yeah, us. We're the ones who change. So if we're the ones who change... Well, then what does God do at this point? Well, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. 
1 John, the book of John, tells us that if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In other words, the moment we repent, right, it's that change of mind, we change our direction, and we head in God's direction. The moment he sees that, and we turn to him, he runs to us. If you read the story of the prodigal son that Jesus spoke about, he's illustrating the fact that once we come to our senses and we turn and we head to God, you read the story, the father runs to his child. That's what God does. You can be a thousand miles away from God. You take one step close to him, he'll run the rest of the way to you. Well, how does God do that? Well, because he never changes, right? Hebrews 13, 12, uh, 13, 8 says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if that's true and he never changes, and we change, how do we fix this? Here's what's so amazing. This is what God does. The moment we repent, he does this. And he comes to us, and he says, all things are new. And we're thinking, yeah, but what about all of these things? He goes, that's done already. I forgot about that. I don't even remember that anymore. You remember those things. I don't. Those things are done. It's in your past. I forgave you for those things. That's why I sent my one and only son to die on the cross. It was to pay for all of the sins that you have ever done, past, present, and future, because you will still do that in the future. You're still going to meander. We're going to do this. We're not, we're being perfected, right? We're working on our salvation. Our life is still going to do that with God. Even if you're emotional or you're, 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 you're having a hard time with God, don't fight against God. Fight towards God. And even though you're saying, okay, God, you know, it's not working out how I want it to, but I still trust you. I'm still going to follow you. I'm still going to do everything possible to stay, to stay near you. None of us are going to be perfect, but we will deal with this. It's, th this is going to happen. But at least we're moving in his direction. And we're saying to him, I, I, I want to delight in you. And many times we end up here, not necessarily because we weren't delighting in the Lord. We didn't delight ourselves in the Lord. We, we sometimes end up here because we were just delighting in ourselves because we're human beings we have this sinful nature and we end up there you know what you know, you know what god does though he he kind of outlines for us in romans chapter 1 verses 20 through 25 and he tells us for since the creation of the world god's invisible qualities his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen in other words his creation right you look at his creation especially here in hawaii you look at his creation you cannot tell me these things just happened. There's, there's clearly a designer behind the magnificent design. I have friends from the mainland, and, and where they, they live, they don't have, they can't see the stars like how we see them. They visit us here, and they'll look at the sky, and they're like, oh my goodness, look how many stars. Like, I've never seen these many stars. It's like you can touch the stars. And then I look up, and I'm like, I see this all the time, and maybe I've taken it for granted, but thank you, God, for this beauty. The sunrise that we have on the east side, the sunsets that we have on the west side, the volcanic activity we have, the, the, the uh, floral that we have on this island, our waterfalls, beautiful, our beaches, amazing. The birds that chirp so early in the morning now because it's summertime, my goodness. 
And if you live next to some chickens, oh my goodness, those buggers waking up early. I know you're raising the chickens just for that. I'm sure those TPs mean something. So his creation, simply amazing, amazing. But what happens is we're so enamored by creation, we start to worship creation and not the creator. You and I were created. We can even worship ourselves without even knowing it. And so we, we wander off because we were delighting not necessarily ourselves in the Lord, but we just were delighting in ourselves. But thanks be to his grace that the moment we turn to him, he runs to us. He continues, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. In other words, he's showing us his glory so that we would believe in him. It's amazing that even people who don't believe in God must believe that there is a God in order for not to believe in him. So that's a, that's a, that's a totally different, uh, again, a, a different, um, different message. But everybody knows that there is a God. Everybody knows that there is a God. They might call him something else. They might worship something else, but they know that there's a God. This is why it's important for us to know that Jesus is the Son of God because he points us to God. It's not just any God. It's true God. The one who gave his one and only Son. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human being and birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore, God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. So you can see the conflict that takes place in our lives. This is why the flesh and the spirit wage war because we have this sinful nature, right? When mankind fell, that was passed on to all of us, this rebellion against God. And you may not feel like you're rebelling against God. You're like, I don't rebel against God. I'm not, I'm not coming with demonic faces to God and, and just doing whatever I want. I know God. I still love him. But what he's saying is, what are the desires of your heart? Where's your heart in all of this? Galatians 5.17 even tells us that the sinful nature wants to do evil. Have you ever met someone that they just want to do evil? And it may not be evil in the context of hurting people, but sometimes you just watch some kids. They look so kolohe. They look so rascal. It's like, wow, it's just, I'm scared to sleep by you. Like, they just look at you like, <laughs> they just have that look about them. Or you see them and you're like, what'd you do? Nothing. <laughs> you didn't even want to start your car. It's like, where were you? Or they prank you all the time. You get pranked by your own kids? I stopped doing that to my mom a long time ago because she, this is what she told me. You're going to give me a heart attack. And I was like, well, what if that actually happened? So I stopped doing that. That's why people don't trust you. You prank them all the time, so they don't trust you at all. Have you ever said to someone, okay, close your eyes? They're like, I ain't closing my eyes. No, close your eyes. No. I don't trust you. That's what they're saying. 
That's our flesh. Our flesh wants to do evil. I'm not saying pranking is evil, but it's just in us. It's in us to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. So the flesh and spirit, completely opposite, evil and good. And the spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other so that you're not free to carry out your good intentions. Like we want to do good. I think it's in all of us. Yeah, we want to do good, but there's the evil in us that carries out the things we really don't want to do. We have good intentions, but the evil still comes out. Therefore, Psalm 37 verse 5 is written by King David. King David didn't, I mean, he started off pretty good. He was a shepherd boy and was anointed, called by God, prayed over to be the next king of Israel while a teenager. And so while they're praying over him, David is like, hey, I'm just, I'm just a shepherd boy. I'm, I'm going to stay in the, in, the, in the sheepfold and take care of the sheep. Well, later on, he becomes king. But while he's king and, and the kings went off to war, David stayed in the palace. And this is when things went bad. So the drama begins when David stayed in the palace. Because here's this woman, Bathsheba. She's bathing outside. He sees her. He's like, I'm not going to look. I look. Oh, I'm going to look. I look again. Then he, he looks for her. He says, who is this woman? Go get her. They get him. Now he sleeps with her. She becomes pregnant. But she's a married woman. And now he's like, oh, what am I going to do? How am I going to fix this situation? So he brings her husband, Bathsheba's husband, whose name is Uriah, and he's off in battle, in war. So he's like, hey, Uriah, come back home, go to your wife. Hoping that, you know, anyway. So he comes back, but Uriah is so loyal to the king that he doesn't even go home. He stays at the palace. King David goes outside, sees him sleeping there. He's like, hey, Uriah, how come you didn't go home? He's, Uriah says, how can I go home and be with my wife while all the others are in battle right now? And Uriah is one of his top officials, one of his top uh, in, in the army, one of the best fighters. So he says, no, Uriah, stay. Go, go home. Like, your wife misses you. And he says, no, I'm going to stay here at the palace. So David has to figure out a way, how do I fix this situation? David commands his commanding officer and says, put Uriah on the most difficult part of the battle. And Uriah dies in war. So David feels justified. Like, okay, he's out of the picture. Now I can be with Bathsheba. That's some crazy soap opera. And now his sin is found out. Nathan the prophet comes to David and says, you did something. This is a, David, come on, man. And then David says, you're right. I gotta change. And David repents. But the damage has already been set. So David writes this. Psalm 37, verses 3 through 5. He says, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will act. David understood that his actions are going to be met with God's actions. In other words, you know how we say, uh, just come to God as you are, because that's, that's, that's what God is after. He's after our heart. Come to him just as you are. 
We also say things, and I've said it earlier, uh, the moment you repent, the moment you turn to God, he will run to you. And, and God will do that. God will always meet us where we're at. And at the same time, God will always meet us where we act. He's saying, Here, here's some things that I'm asking of you to trust, to delight, to commit. When you act in those ways, I'm going to meet you where you act. And, and guess what God does? When you trust in him, he will act. He, he will do his part. That's, that's the greatest news, that we, we have this relationship with God who knows infinitely better what our lives should be like more than we could ever possibly imagine for ourselves. So he says, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to bless your life in this partnership of a relationship you got to trust me you got you got to delight in what i delight in and commit your ways to me i love how jesus puts it because he 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 brings that compassion and jesus likens it to a vine and he says in john chapter 15 verses 1 through 7 jesus says i am the vine and my father is a vine dresser every branch in me that does not bear fruit he takes away and every branch that bears fruit he prunes that it may bear more fruit but you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. So abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. Then he clearly states it, just to reiterate, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered and they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned if you abide in me and my words abide in you you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you and it almost sounds like like a genie in the lamp like really ask what you desire and it shall be done for you that's so cool yeah but we forget the whole entire first part we got to be connected with him that we abide in him and when he says you can do nothing he's saying even your greatest something without me is absolutely nothing no eternal value to it however connected to me you may feel like there's nothing great in your life but it's something of significance something of eternal value only then will we realize wait a minute even the small things i do for god is huge and it changes our perspective to rather than chase the things of the world that might have a dead end will we chase after god's heart because it's in that that he's going to say you know i i see that you love doing these things this lines up with my desire for you therefore here we go and we carry it out with him for some of you your ministry is in the marketplace that's where god has designed you to where you fit as your pulpit that that's where you love people it's in the work environment or it's in school that you bring with you that relationship that you have with god and now you can bring that into the world he's saying let's partner together because i'm going to do great things through you and sometimes we think it's it's being more influential having more followers uh, being being uh, in charge of something great and huge and god is saying no but if we all do this together and we shine as lights in this world and you 
you act upon how I created you, everything changes. But you got to delight in me. You can do nothing by yourself. See, our, our desires will always lead to some type of action. If you love sports, you have a desire for sports, you know what you're going to do? You're going to practice. You're going to buy some uh, equipment to go along with that sport. If you love or you have a desire for, let's just say you love like trucks and lifting trucks and, and putting sound systems in there, guess where your finances are going to go? Yay! It's going to go into what you desire the most. Some of you, you desire watching Netflix and you can binge on that. Guess what you'll be doing this afternoon? You'll be watching some good stuff on Netflix, hopefully. And why? Because that's, it's in you. It's a desire that you have. Some of you like art, so that desire is going to lead to an action. You might buy art supplies and you're going to paint. Or if you're an artist or you love music, you're going to play music. You're going to buy equipment, a, a ukulele or a guitar or something. Why? Because you have that desire. You have a desire for another person and you're 12 years old or 10 years old and you see a girl in school or a boy in school oh my goodness everything's gonna shift to that and then you become a teenager and life is over so it happens and here here's what takes place and I'm only teasing because that's when I met Heidi I was 12 years old seriously I knew her for 37 years okay so our desires right it starts there we all have desires. Our desire will lead to practicing out that desire. And how do we say it? Practice makes? No, practice makes permanent. There are no perfect people, only Heidi. So <laughs> practice makes permanent. And when it's permanent, it becomes a habit. So you have a habit here. And when there's a habit, ask any athlete. In fact, you'll watch certain athletes like professionals and then they'll do something amazing and you'll be like so sir what were you thinking ma'am ma'am what were you thinking when you when you when you swung that that tennis racket and you made that shot well how was it and they'll say i really wasn't thinking it just happened automatic like how'd you make that shot i practiced that shot a thousand times during practice it's just habit that's why if you watch like nba and they try to block a shot and they can't reach the ball. You know what they'll block? The person's face, right? They'll try to block their face so they can't see the, the rim or the net, the backboard. But they still make the shot most of the time. Why? Because they're not even relying on what they see anymore. They already have the habit of the release. So that habit comes from practice. That practice comes from what we desire in our hearts. This practice and this habit leads to something we know of as character. This is why God is after the desires of our heart because it leads to our character. And God uses our character to represent him in this world. Have you ever seen Christians whose character may not line up with God? I see them all the time, every morning. When I look into the mirror, I'm like, God, am I representing you with my character? Am I, am, is, this, is this who I'm supposed to be? Am, am I supposed to represent you? Because I, I want to represent you well. You know what is the hardest for me to represent God? Is when I'm driving. I've said it before. It's the hardest time. 
to, to represent God when I'm driving. I'm like, how come everybody drive like that? They should drive better. It's just so hard. <laughs> anyway, I don't want to, just in case they're listening and they're like, oh, I see how you drive. You know what is, you know what is uh, great about this, the character part is when God's involved in it, even though we have a past, he works with us. He works with us. And we get to work with him. And that's the partnership. That's the relationship that we have with Christ himself. And he knows that, it'll, that the practicing part, that's why the Bible says to discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. Discipline, practice, practicing for godly habits because he wants to use us in that kind of way. You know, we've been made right as Romans 5, 1 through 5 tells us that therefore since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege. Undeserved privilege. Where we now stand. And we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing in God's glory. And so we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. For we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation and this hope will not lead to disappointment for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love see our character is important because that's what the Lord uses for us to become more like him as he fills our hearts with his love so King David gives us a word. And here are three things that will help. That's why he lines this out for us. He comes with experience, and it's this. Trust the Lord. Trust. That we're trusting in the Lord. That, that word to trust in the Lord or to trust in someone means to, that you believe in someone other than ourselves for what is best for our lives, especially when we cannot see the outcome or the results. That's what trust is. We put our trust in the Lord because he sees what's best for us. The second thing is to delight in the Lord. That when we delight in him, you delight in something, you're trusting in whatever you're delighting in will not let you down. That this hope does not disappoint us. We put our hope in him. We delight in him. So if we're supposed to delight in the Lord, let's find out what delights the Lord. Because whatever, whatever delights God... That's what I want to do. Whatever, whatever, brings, whatever brings delight to him, whatever brings joy to him, that's what I want to do. If he delights in me worshiping him, guess what I want to do? I want to worship him. Why? Because that's what delights him. So I want to find out what delights God. Well, you know what delights God? Us gathering together. Why? Because we encourage each other. We strengthen one another. We help each other to grow. I know some of you, you're still there. You're, you're, you're finding your way, but we're, we're getting there. Some of you, this is your first time back. This delights God. He even says in his word, do not give up the habit of meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but all the more encourage one another as you see the day approaching, that we keep gathering together in his name. You know what delights God? His word. So I want to be in his word. Spending time with him. Learning and growing delights God. So guess where we're going to be? Learning and growing. Because it delights him. 
It delights him as we learn and grow in our relationship with him because it delights him. Helping and serving others, that delights God. So guess what we're gonna do? We're gonna help and serve one another. We're gonna forgive one another. Why? Because God forgave us. That delights him. We can ask for forgiveness. So delight in the Lord. Find out what delights his heart and then do those things. And then the last thing, commit to the Lord. That's what David was saying. He's saying, you gotta commit to these things because this will happen. And instead of this just veering off, just repent. Come back. Come back to God. Come back to him. Don't veer so far off. Humanity is gonna push you, but his spirit will bring you back. So continue to come back to him. Repent when you need to. You're surrendering. That's what commit means. You're surrendering, you're surrendering or you're abandoning something and you're letting go of something else. You're relinquishing your will to his will. You're relying on what you're surrendering to or who you're surrendering to. You're relying on that person. In this case, it is God himself. Psalm 37, 4, which is our highlight, delight yourself in the Lord. That part is important in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart you know what it doesn't say delight yourself in your marriage yeah but I want a good marriage delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of wanting a good marriage I want a healthy family delight in the Lord and he will do that he will act delight yourself in him yeah but I want my finances to be better so I gotta really focus in on my finances No, delight yourself in the Lord not in your finances and he will give you the desires of your heart why? because it needs to line up with his God wants us to steward our finances well so when we're delighting in him he's gonna bring that wisdom the strength the energy the know-how he's gonna surround us with wonderful people that will help us think things through and that we can go to him in trusting in him so that we know what decisions we need to make. He'll give us discernment and he'll watch over us. Some of us are saying, I just want to be more influential. Delight in him, not be more influential, and he will give you the desires of your heart. And the reason why we delight in him first is so that whatever we're delighting in starts to match and line up with his desire. So when we act it out, the motives are good. Our faith in him is first and foremost. We're trusting in him. Some of us are saying, I want to be more effective in ministry. Delight in the Lord, not ministry. Delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. And if he created us to serve in ministry or to do great things for him through church services and things like that, let him do that. Because it's going to be his heart and our heart together. Psalm 149 verse 4 tells us, For the Lord takes delight in his people the Lord takes delight in his people he crowns the humble with victory God crowns the humble with victory he delights in you so now you can delight in him and he will give you the desires of your heart which is now his heart too because the two have become one and now we're in unity with God and we're in alignment with him. You take care of delighting in him, he will take care of the outcome. And his outcome is a whole lot better than our own outcome for ourselves. We're gonna pray together and, and pray for just that. Would you bow your heads with me? Lord God, we thank you 
that not only do you give us the desires of our heart, but you also will act upon when our trust is in you, when we delight ourselves in you, when we commit our way to you. So thank you. Thank you for realigning us. Thank you for your word. We put our trust in you. We delight in you. We commit to you. And even when we might meander or stray away for a little bit, help us to quickly repent, turn from our ways, turn to you, follow your direction. You gave us grace and forgiveness for a reason because you knew we would wander. But the moment we repent, you're right there. You never leave us. You never forsake us. So thank you for being a loving God. In Jesus' name we pray. We all sit together. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a beautiful afternoon. Enjoy the rest of your week.